As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. member of Sports Drink Network. It is September 12th, 2022. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And the Steelers open the season in jaw-dropping fashion, defeating the Cincinnati Bengals in overtime 23-20. to But we don't want to lose the lead. In some respects, this game felt like a loss. So just, I just need somebody to tell me TJ's okay. That's all I'm looking for. I think that's all everybody who's listening to this podcast is looking for. I have sent up several prayers to the football deities, whoever they may be, and just hopes that only partial tear of his his man boob. Please, this peck, we can't be taken out from a, from a peck injury, all right? Because I'd say there's two big themes to this game. First theme, let's start with the positive. Dad, can you remember a better defensive performance from the... I think I said defensive porn by mistake there, and I do apologize, but that Freudian slip is probably uh, appropriate given that was the best defensive game I've seen from the Steelers since Troy Polamalu and James Harrison were roaming the field. Can you remember anything like that? I I appreciate your your slip of the tongue there because I I would like to go (laughs) back and what measures it's a combination of turnovers and sacks and just the... um... I was, I mean, we're going to go into a little bit more detail, but there were nuances there yeah. that I was happy to see. Like Joe Mixon did not own us. We has a yeah. previous contest. Three yards of carry. And the fact that it came against an elite offense. And I know that they've had uh, offensive line issues, but they had no problems beating the Steelers by the end of the first quarter last year. So over the years, like we said in the podcast, the biggest issue for the Steelers since Cower and into Tomlin, since the Steelers are so... Uh, religiously married to the zone defense, which has done so many good things for them. The biggest issue for the Steelers is a great drop back passing game, a traditional passing game. And so not only did the Bengals have the Steelers number last year, but they, they have that. That's how they play with the drop back passing game. So it was a terrifying matchup. We did mention eerily similar to last year, the Steelers were going to play Josh Allen and the bills. And they came out with a, with an awesome game plan. It looks like they did it two years in a row, but that's just why I thought it was, the best defensive game that we've seen in years because they really got like six or seven turnovers. If you count the ones that got called back for late hits or whatever it was, if you think, you know, Minka got a late hit on, I don't know if it was Cam Sutton's interception. I can't remember one of them, but the hit came after the, the actual performance, right? So they did take the ball away a number of times, the sacks and everything like that. So yeah, first theme being unbelievable defensive performance feels so good with how much we hate Cincinnati, I said on the podcast, I would like to put this out. I said, this. look, the Bengals have the Steelers' number, but if they were going to beat them, it, this would be the week. 
because the Bengals have not played in the preseason. Their line could be in a little bit of flux with all the new pieces, and Joe Burrow didn't play in the preseason, and all that stuff seemed to come to pass. So that's the first theme. Second theme is just this is why football is so awesome, and this is why it sucks. The TJ Watt injury would change the trajectory of the whole season. And for anybody out there, if TJ doesn't play this year, the Steelers still have a lot of good players. I'm not saying they're going to lose every single game, but he showed you in the first week why pundits on TV and on podcasts everywhere need to stop with this belief that TJ is a great defensive player, but he's like a tick below Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald and those guys. Okay, Aaron Donald, fine. He's the man, but... TJ Watt is unequivocally tied for like best defensive player in the league because he was absolutely dominant. And the reason why I say that sucks in football is because it just takes so much injury luck to get where you want to go for your team. And when do you play other teams? Are they injured? And then the good part about it is one of the reasons why I love football is it's so chaotic. You have to just deal with these things. It's the whole, the standard is the standard from Tomlin. So I think it's just a great way to look at your life when you take a blow um, personally, you just got to think of TJ Watt out there rehabbing his boob. When you mentioned game plan, I actually thought first game of the year gives you an opportunity before all the gears have been oiled and everything's meshed well together. But you can't plan for the kind of turnovers. I mean, I you assume that the Steelers are going to come out with that intensity. Both teams will be coming out with intensity. And uh, let's let's face it, that uh, between Cam, Cam owned that guy Bolson, I guess they started a, uh, yeah. a rookie tackle. Welcome, uh, welcome to the NFL moment, if you will. But I mean, a guard as well. I don't know. They had, yeah, they had some inexperience on the line. So we were talking to you about whether Burrow was just not sharp. I mean, five five interceptions. That's not. Um, he, he was lacking it's something. And was he forcing the ball? Was our did our secondary scheme accomplish most of that? That's that's the question. So without looking at the all 22, and it's just unfortunately something that I don't have a ton of time for anymore, but luckily there's all these great Steeler follows like at Derek the Kid, Alex Kazora, Nick Furbo, like a bunch of these guys uh, who will probably break that down on the stuff that you cannot see on the television copy. I'm sure they did confusing stuff in the back, in the back end. Um, and like you said, you can't plan for turnovers, but generally turnovers happen when you confuse the offense. And that's been out of any team in the NFL, the Steelers, and then eventually the Ravens are the best at being super confusing. Well, Bill Belichick, Patriots, of course. But those are the three great teams of, oh, my gosh, it's just chaos. It's Blitzburg, right? So that can be part of the plan. In addition to the fact that, again, I'm going to give my weekly shout-out to Derek. He brought um, up a clip the day before the game of a particular route combination that the Bengals like to use out of empty when they have no running back. They're in shotgun. They set all the receivers out wide. And it's a play that even the Patriots used to use when they first started going empty, like in the Cordell Stewart days against the Steelers. So people have been running these five wide concepts against the Steelers for years, and they've given them trouble. Sure enough, I want to say it's like the second play of the game that the Bengals came out in that formation. So I think the Steelers were uh, as prepared as Derek was for that kind of thing. So that's where I think the game planning comes in. And like we said in the secondary, the Steelers don't, like you got to like the Steelers cornerbacks, and we'll get to them later because obviously they played absolutely incredible. Um, but they don't have anybody, almost no team has anybody who can match up with what the Bengals have. But on the other hand, the Bengals, even with their improved line, th- there's just absolutely no way they can match up, match up with the Steelers' defensive front. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Higgins, that is like TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, and apparently 
Alex Highsmith, who was spectacular. He had an injury. He came back, so hopefully he's okay. But, um, yeah, I think that it comes down to that, that when the Steelers win games, it's going to be because of those guys causing massive di- disruption. And then I feel like I've almost buried the lead here. But if there's anybody in first place for Defensive Player of the Year award right now, maybe besides Minka or um, <laughs> whoops, Micah Parsons in Dallas, it's Minka Fitzpatrick. And I think what an unbelievable coming out party to show people that last year was not a quote unquote down year. It just, the Steelers used him all over the place in the preseason. There are some great cutups and they used him all over the place in uh, the game against the Bengals. And he just has that Troy, James Harrison, Cam, TJ thing of somehow in this age, we're not allowed to hit defenders more on that later. He or not allowed to hit offensive players. He just makes huge plays in huge moments. The block field goal was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. So the level of transcendent Hall of Fame level player talent the Steelers have on defense, that's the story. That's how they're going to win, and they can't lose any of those guys. And that's why we are sitting here praying for a partial tear of the pick for TJ. Yeah, Minka played out of his mind. Is there anybody on defense who who lets you down? Because as I go through the roster and look at the players, I mean, up and down. First of all, the the quiet, I don't know, not hero, but the the quiet – intensity of Edmonds was was unbelievable yes. I mean he has become he's not Bud Dupree he didn't like make that quite that right. that ascent but his name wasn't getting called out for getting burned or beat or anything like that so he was no, he, had a the- night, he had and at the goal line he was a star like he had a great great coverage in the end zone and then he had that run stuff I think I don't remember if it was on first down or when it was but he was a monster in the goal line and after that thought or after that game I had the thought um it just seems like every year there's that list of like nine safeties who are available. Remember when, what is his name, Boston, Trey Boston, or something like that was available and Steelers didn't have any safeties and we kept coming on the podcast saying like, there's nine starters out there. Why don't, why don't they pick up one of these guys? People don't love to pay safeties and maybe we will get lucky with Terrell wanting to stay with Minka and the Steelers defense after this year uh, because I agree with you. He's just a critical piece and Sutton was spectacular. And uh, Witherspoon, both of those guys making plays on the ball, showing off their ball skills. It, it was it was a pretty awesome game. You're right. There's not a single player that you can point to that let you down because even uh, Devin Bush had a nice little game. This I know I'm I, I'm not going to get deep into statistics, but I just found this really interesting. So Edmonds, Fitzpatrick, and Witherspoon played 100% of the defensive snaps. There were 94 defensive snaps in this game when they're usually between okay. 60 and 70. And by the way, I, I want to say they played some special teams, their kick snaps as well, because I saw the yeah. tweet that they all, they didn't just play 100% of the snaps. They played 100 snaps each right. in the game. I don't remember if it was Darius Butler or Ryan Clark who tweeted out, like, this is insane. I mean, it's usually like 64 right. or something is, is a lot. So don't like that. And we'll, we'll get to the offense later. I mean, I don't know if we need to. We can just copy and paste literally every single episode from the last three years, and it's just that again. But, uh, yeah, we're going to need the offense to get off the field a little bit. But Mike Tomlin said in the postgame conference, he said, look, when you're playing Joe Burrow and his company, really any sort of high-flying elite offense in this day and age, like they're just not going to punt much. It's just sort of a function of where offense is at now. Of course, you and I and any fan will agree, well, 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 100 snaps is still over the limit for us. Okay, I can understand 80. And granted, there, there was overtime. We understand. But um, 
yeah, the offense will will eventually have to do something. But I'm just getting so tired of talking about it. <laughs> so how about so you you've been focusing on Fitzpatrick? What about the other cornerbacks, Sutton and Witherspoon? How did you feel coverage was? Well, that's what I was mentioning before. It was spectacular. This guy's making plays on the ball. I mean, obviously they were tight on the receivers a lot the whole game, which is impressive, but it's their ball skills. We just haven't seen that in Pittsburgh in a little while. I mean, big play Willie Gay would make some plays on the ball. He was great, but it just seemed like he was such a he was savant. So he would just stand in the place where the quarterback would throw and he'd catch it with his chest. These guys are jumping up full extension, grabbing the ball out of the air before it gets to the receiver. And in combination with that and Minka Fitzpatrick laying the wood on guys perfectly legally. And then the refs just being as incompetent as they always are. Um, it's that's what you love to see. So I, yeah, I thought that those guys were awesome. And then Arthur Mallette, just such an interesting player to talk about the last corner here. It is bizarre. that when you lose Mike Hilton, who's been a star for the Bengals trader, thank Thank you, Vince Williams, who tweeted during the game. It is like it's disgusting seeing Mike Hilton in a red in a Bengals jersey, and they're buddies, so he's not talking crap, but he is being serious. Arthur Millette, it is so weird to get him right after Mike Hilton because Mike Hilton is such a unique player. He's very small, but he's one of the best run defending blitzing corners we've seen, like literally in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying he's Jalen Ramsey, you know, the level of like these Hall of Fame players, but as far as that specialty. Mike Hilton is abnormally good. And Arthur Mallette is very, very close to that level. The only difference is Mike Hilton is much better in coverage than Mallette. We'll see what Mallette can do over the course of the year. But he's forced a fumble on Joe Burrow at the end of the game there, which uh, in, uh, induced the holy roller rule where the offensive player cannot advance the ball forward after a fumble unless he is the guy who fumbled himself. But just... Another great open tackle in space on the on Mixon when he got a screen on third and long and had nothing but but room to run. So he's spectacular in that role. And he played a lot of snaps early, which really surprised me given the fact that we knew that Cincinnati was going to throw the ball a lot. But I guess that just speaks to the point that you made earlier. Steelers bottled up uh, Joe Mixon for three yards of carry, and he ran all over them last year. So if you know anything about the Steelers, when we used to complain about it in the Harrison Palomalu days – Super Bowl run days, we would say anybody can throw on us if they want to, but nobody can can run the ball. And that's just what Dick LeBeau would always come back to. It's like, you just have to stop the run first because if the run's going, you have absolutely no chance. So maybe that speaks to the Steelers' game plan there. And just to wrap up on the corners, that's a big part of it. They were awesome in run defense and obviously super competitive at the catch point. Yeah, so moving to the defensive line, we already mentioned Hayward, who, who basically did whatever he wanted to from the defensive line. So Ogunjobi obviously has displaced Alualu, who had, um, I think he had 33% of the snaps. I like the way they're using him, right? We're not, uh, nobody's, yeah, we're not going to depend on him, but you can put him in there. Although, were you surprised that they weren't using him sort of on those goal line stances? Yeah, I don't know what that what that was about. You and I were talking about it. Do, do we confirm that he wasn't in there? I mean, obviously, that's where you would think that, that he would be, but... Uh... That would be weird. I, I just can't confirm myself if he was in there or not. And I agree. If you have, you need to have the depth to be able to do it, obviously. But I just look at what Tampa Bay did with Gronk the past few years. And it's such a luxury to take a, a really good player. I mean, obviously Gronk's on another level, but a really good player who's old and plays a physical position in a physical style and just limit his snaps until you get later in the season. I'm looking at Von Miller in Buffalo. 
and besides the fact that it it was absolutely shocking how good he was in that first game, I mean, he was awesome for the Rams in the playoffs. It was surprising. You were looking at him like, he's 33. It looks the same. Like, he's just getting past everyone with those cool ghost moves, the, the arsenal of moves, and where he's just got that Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley thing, where it's like, oh, he's just faster and better than everybody on the field. And Von Miller still is. But when I saw him dominate that first game for the Bills against the Rams, I thought, it's not that they got to put this guy in bubble wrap, but they got to find a way to keep him alive until the end of the season. And I don't know if Buffalo will be able to do that, but hopefully the Steelers can keep some health together so that they could keep Alu Alu at that relatively low percentage of snaps because he's so valuable when he plays. Yeah, and I, th- I was I was happy to see Wormley. I think Wormley had a strong game. Ogan Joby's turn is going to – Yeah. I mean – if you just sort of track him out, he, it's going to be a Jeez. great acquisition in the offseason. Um, yeah, they're so stacked. It's crazy. <laughs> when he suited up for the game, you're like, oh, yeah. Jeez, they got a lot of guys. <laughs> and Leal, Leal actually played, what did he have? 17 yeah. snaps, quitted himself well as far as uh, nice. you can yeah, see. Get him in yeah, there. so um, I guess we should mention uh, linebackers. You already you mentioned Devin Bush, and how about the play? of um mouse jack so i'll say they were both good and i'll say i'm looking at our timer and we only have a few moments left in the podcast here a few minutes right let's flip my flip it yep and i actually do not mind this at all (laughs) all i'm gonna say is we all know how bad the offense is right first things first he had plenty of time to throw I mean, Dad, at any point, did you think, man, Mitch is under duress. He doesn't even have a second to make a throw. Sacked once, hit five times. He had more time than Ben had last year. And what's interesting, he was 20 of 38, only eight throws. Only only passes went over 10 air yards. So we're going to look at it. And until we see that Mm. all 22, we we don't know what was open downfield, but were the Bengals that much in lockdown that he couldn't go any further than the 10-yard line? Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a Ben thing which is a tweet that Trey Turner, a Steelers offensive lineman from last year, made during that game. You all, like a lot of people thinking seven was the, basically said this little dink and dunk thing, that wasn't just the quarterback's choice, right? So let me give the caveat first. It is the first game for the offense, right? You need to give them some time. Mitch has not played in over a year, really, in like meaningful action. You got to give him a little time. I do wish they had played the starters more in the preseason, and I think that that played out in week one. The Bengals didn't play their starters at all. and They they were awful. I mean, eventually they made plays because no team in the entire league will stop Joe Burrow and um, Jamar Chase when they're rolling. It's going to be like Ben and AB. The rules just favor it too much, right? So eventually they made plays, but they were terrible. Rams didn't play in the preseason. They were terrible. Packers didn't play in the preseason. They were terrible. You're talking about all the top offenses in the league. Guess who did play a lot in the preseason? Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They dog-walked the Cardinals, who didn't play a lot in the preseason. So I think that's going to be something watching going to watch going forward. But I'm just trying to give Mitch and the offense as many legitimate excuses as I can before saying we're going to be able to tell if Matt Canada should have a job or not. There's a lot of people. I'll mention John Ledyard on Twitter. Derek, these guys who break down film and show you clips who have been saying this about Canada for a few years. He just, there's not a lot, of, a lot of rhyme or reason to his play calling. There's not a lot of rhythm. A lot of his pass structures bring people into the same zone that you're trying to throw into. 
obviously situationally you got to hate it. There was another critical third down at the 37 yard line where what do they do? Throw short of the sticks and settle for a long field goal. These are patterns that are four years old from the Feetner days. And it, you know, there was no way to tell if it was Ben's age or a combination of that and the coordinators. We will definitively be able to tell soon if Matt Canada is going to be literally the first successful go from college to NFL coordinator in a decade, two, three decades, right? So that's just what I've been trying to say about that. I thought Canada was awful. I mean, I know the offensive line is absolutely putrid in a lot of ways. They can't run the ball. I'm, you got to start wondering how much of that is scheme because they were fine pass blocking, right? I know those are two different things, but offense is absolutely terrible. Mitch, I do not think he was good. I mean, we made some points with some people on Twitter. He's throwing off his back foot a lot unnecessarily. He had George Pickens wide open for a walk-in 85-yard touchdown where he just sailed it over his head. Um, and I'm just sitting here saying this offense got, what, five, six turnovers? And they, I think they went three and out on four or five of those. When they got it back, they scored 13 points, five or six turnovers, right? And you're taking everything from last year, the last few years. Your receivers are much better when you add a George Pickens to the list, particularly. And the experience of Deontay, who made the catch of the weekend, which nobody's replaying besides Steelers fans today. Chase Claypool, who was in the slot 90% of the time. Hallelujah. Very exciting. He had a great game. You have a better tight end, Fryermuth, in his second year. You have a better running back. You're supposed to have a better quarterback. So you're telling me there are significant upgrades at quarterback, receiver, tight end, and running back, and we don't see an ounce of improvement to the offense because the offensive line is just that bad? That does not fly. So I think any other analysis for the offense is obvious. The Steelers should have won this game by 30. The offense absolutely sucks. The thing I want to keep an eye on for Mitch, because I do wonder, I know the Kenny Pickett talk is going to be unbearable this year, and I, I am rooting for Mitch, and I'm also rooting for Kenny. I think there's a chance that there's a guy who gets the ball out much more decisively, much more accurately and quickly, and this could be Kenny Pickett versus um, Trubisky could be similar to last year's Mac Jones versus Cam Newton, where it's like, oh, actually, the rookie guy is kind of more prepared. So... That's what I'm keeping an eye on. Any thoughts well, on you for the offense what's, or Najee? What's scary is that our leading rusher was Claypool, and our leading <laughs> receivers were our tight end and our backup tight end, leading receivers. Yeah, and they don't have anybody who can cover any of the three receivers. So that's just inexcusable. I didn't have – actually, while we're talking, I'll look it up. It, it looked like Deontay was not on the field in the first half. He finally ended up with 12 targets in, in the – unbelievable catch that you said but he didn't seem to be involved in it and again even if you're I mean your line was giving you time I mean it, well, I'm not even sure why they even bothered trying to run the ball after a while because it wasn't as if they the runs were setting up any kind of pass game it's just it's brutal to watch he had plenty of time to throw right if you if if you're unable to move the ball whatsoever off of five turnovers it, unless the offensive line is giving you six seconds to throw, then you're not a starting quarterback. Johnson, one target in the first half. Hmm. That's a good strategy. Showed you pretty quickly. Everybody who got paid, by the way, Dad, they really should. Minka, Deontay, they're making plays all over the – oh, yeah, these guys probably deserve that money. Um, so, Boz – Clanking redemption, on the, baby. He did have redemption. He was cool as a cucumber in that second kick. Um, no doubt. 
it's just that, that blocked extra point. And I'm going to just admit, I have never turned off a Steeler game before Triple Z yeah. was. Mm-hmm. I was, it was so painful to me, even though the whole time you were saying, you know, this is sort of a mirage. You didn't say it this way. It's kind of a mirage. So I'm not going to get too invested in it. I, I got way too wrapped around the axle. Shut it off. Go upstairs because, you know, all the TVs in the house are tuned to the game. And I noticed that black and gold still on the field. Like, overtime? Who would have who ever guessed, you know, that payoff would have been, been retirement money if you bet it on a blocked extra point in that situation? Especially considering that there was another major blocked extra point within the last two weeks when uh, Florida State blocked uh, Notre Dame's extra point to win the game in the final second and Brian Kelly's first game. That, like, it's kind of crazy that these high-profile things have occurred, but it was just uh, Greg Jennings and Madden. I'm going to put the team on my back, though, a moment from Mick Fitzpatrick, who... I'm just so glad we have that guy, right? I forget who was in the draft class for when Minka Fitzpatrick, when we made the trade for him. I don't think it was Josh Allen. I think it was maybe Kyler or someone like that. But um, regardless, there were a lot of tweets going on this offseason saying that in NFL circles, executives, a lot of people think Minka is the number one safety in the league. And uh, I think Steelers fans are seeing what that looks like. And it's pretty sweet. Looking forward to it. And the only thing we do now is if anybody has any, you know, Santeria, uh, you know, Catholicism, anything, anything you got, let's just pray for TJ's pack because no matter what happens, if you have those stars on the field, it's, it's a fun team to watch when they're on defense. But otherwise, this offense just, you know, is the biggest waste of time ever. And I would love to just fast forward. Just curious, do you think every team in the NFL is now working on their backup long snapper? Yes, I do. Hey, I remember James Harrison sailing one over our punter's head all those days years ago. Hey, uh, one bit of trivia before we get out of here. The last eight games the Steelers have opened up on the road, and in that yep. span of time we've gone 5-2-1, and one, both losses to the to the Patriots. So maybe yeah, maybe yeah. it's just better to keep stay on the road game one and save yourself a, a home game for later in the season. Next week, the Steelers line up against the New England Patriots, 1 o'clock mm-hmm. Eastern. Mac Jones may or may not be in that game. So, obviously, even if he is, their team absolutely sucks. So, the Steelers should win that game even if TJ doesn't play. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.